0: Can you imagine the level of a mind that watches wrestling?
1: The audience wants to see action, adventure, wrestling, and plenty of it. Big men in tights, you know the drill. Rammer Slammer. Welcome back to Rammer Slammer. I am Ben Flanagan, and here is the 25th episode of our podcast. And I know we've taken a long break. I apologize for that. It's on me completely. The other guys who contribute to the show are always ready and willing to do whatever episode comes their way. So blame me, the host here, Ben Flanagan. I hope to get back sort of in the swing of things here. The topic that we're going to cover today is one that I think is appropriate for a relative milestone episode, it being our 25th. And thanks to all of you who have listened or shared this show in this podcast. I really do appreciate any support that we get, and I'm glad to have you with us every time we have an episode. So the topic here is simply, is WWE even good right now? It's important to me, the topic, because while I'm still watching the show on a fairly weekly basis, or the shows, I should say, Raw and SmackDown, I can't say that I've been incredibly inspired by it or at least enough to do the podcast and that's a big reason that there's been a long break and admittedly I've got real world stuff going on and that I've got a 10 month old daughter and and that takes up a lot of my time and and so I have to make time to record this podcast and I love doing it and I still love pro wrestling but sometimes things get in the way and I hit a a little bit of a lull and here we are now that we're we're recording this and I'm going to talk to our friend Ben Stark about whether or not we even like what 's going on in w w e right now and and it 's kind of the same thing every year there 's always a, a patch where you sort of ask this question and sort of question your fandom and question if w w e knows what they 're doing or if if they 're utilizing their talented roster to the best of its capabilities and it 's kind of like s n l you know this every year there 's always that article s n l is is worse than ever. This is the worst s n l has ever been, and then ten years later they write the same thing and praise the cast and in, in season that was getting lampooned ten years before so I think the same kind of goes with w w e but you know we're 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 gonna sort of break it down and and get introspective and analyze our thoughts on how we feel about the w w e right now and I think this is healthy you know we're not trying to crap on the w w e and pro wrestling, but we just kind of want to look at it. And, and survey it, and, and see what we think about the company right now, and what they're giving us in the midst of this brand split, and sort of grade it, and and give it a sort of pass-fail as it is right now, and so we're going to go to that conversation right now between me and Ben Stark. Thanks for listening.
2: Ben Stark, what's up, man?
1: Not much. Thanks for calling.
2: Yeah, well, thanks for imploring that we talk about wrestling again here on Rammer Slammer, and, and I've been meaning to get around to it which is the old podcast axiom i think and and i'm glad to be back at it and as i stated at the top of the show it's it's just not really been in me to talk about pro wrestling lately and, and for a long time since our 24th episode because like i mentioned to you i i, I just haven't really been inspired by the television product of wwe to to really go out of my way to talk about it. And and I, I watch it every week and bits and pieces of it, but I find myself fast forwarding through a lot of WWE content right now. Even the pay per views. And and while I, there has been plenty of entertaining stuff, the only the only storylines and the only wrestlers that I find very compelling right now and, and find to be must watch on a weekly basis on Raw, I think Chris Jericho continues to be as good as ever, and the whole list of Jericho thing and Jericho's dynamic with Kevin Ellen I think has been fantastic, and, and I'm so impressed that this late in his career he has managed to, to once again sort of redefine himself as a performer and, and recapture uh, the audience and, and, and the fans' imaginations and, and And then I also think that the women's title feud between Charlotte and Sasha is usually good TV and is good wrestling. And I think Charlotte is so good as a bad guy that she's always worth watching. Now you add the element of of the return of Ric Flair, and that adds some depth to it, even though I don't really love how often the title changes hands in that feud. And then on SmackDown, for me, the James Ellsworth, AJ Styles, and, and Dean Ambrose saga continues and, and well, I think that AJ Styles as long as it took him to get to WWE he's finally here he's the champ and now it, it, I guess on a surface level you could say well he's just wasting his time now on this internet sensation jobber who has t- sort of taken over creative uh, in, in the primary storyline and is feuding with a, a worthy champion if there ever was one in AJ Styles and how ridiculous that seems but the writing in that whole storyline has been so good that I'm I'm giving it a total pass and just saying it's actually good storytelling and and it is it is utilizing AJ Styles and, and his potential and and it's been great so for me Stark that's been about it and there's been there's been good matches here and there and I can definitely tell you that you know there have been some great wrestlers who do plenty of good work, but for me, most most of all, it's like more often than not, it's just been so redundant in terms of the stories they tell, the matches they do, and, and it, it just is the same stuff over and over and over. Outside of those little storylines, and even those can be a little redundant sometimes, but they're so interesting and compelling and entertaining that I give those a pass. So, are you with me right now? In, in that the product just isn't great and that they're not utilizing the best of their talent in guys like Rollins and Reigns and Miz and, and Ambrose, maybe, to, for, for that matter, and some of these really terrific people on their roster, or, or, or are you more compelled than I am? Um,
0: I will say that I'm I'm kind of with you right now, um, although I, I think I've been there for a, a long time, and I think that the what I can say is that the difference now is that um, – the the company the company um tendency to focus on marketing and and hype and social media and uh you know on air authority figures and all that stuff that stuff is now thankfully just limited to raw uh whereas now smackdown thanks to the brand split is working as its own little i mean clearly smaller scale wrestling tv show and i'm uh, greatly encouraged at the consistency and the um just the the narrative tightness of everything that happens on smackdown um they have such limited resource uh, such limited resources on that show a really fairly thin roster and a really thin main event scene but uh somehow the the writers of that show keep putting together uh the this this episodic television that is uh, really memorable and really entertaining and fun. It's not setting the world on fire necessarily, but it's just really well done. And so I've I've actually been watching SmackDown. I watched the the replays on Hulu, so I'm sure that that tends that's edited. So I'm sure that that cuts a little bit of the fat out. But I've been consistently you know making sure I, on Wednesday mornings that I check out SmackDown on uh, on Hulu, whereas with Raw, unless I read about something big happening. I, I rarely tune in at all. Every now and then I'll, I'll watch the, the Hulu cut of Raw, but it's almost always um, unbearable because there, again, it, it's just, like you said, there's this weird machine aspect to it where it's just the same thing over and over again, uh, and nobody really nobody really gets the upper hand. Nobody really looks good except for Roman. Brains, uh, who has is, is just been this powerhouse that just destroys everything in his path uh, since his his return, um, and it's just it's not inspiring. And I'm you know I'm a huge Seth Rollins fan, and it's been disheartening to watch Raw and see him, you know, come back on fire, uh, be shoehorned into this you know villain position, and then once he turns, uh, you know, he, he has he has this. Well, he had this kind of anarchist um, inspiration, but they had they where he was saying he was going to burn down Raw and all those things, but they they just had to put that on the back burner. I'm, I'm sure it'll come back eventually, but they just had to cool him off so much that he's lost everything. It's like what if in 1997 when Stone Cold Steve Austin started to get a ton of heat uh, on Bret Hart, like what if what if they were just like, well, we don't have time for that right now. So why don't you go feud with uh, you know, with, with Sid Vicious uh, for a little bit or something. You know, it's like, no, you you have to, and that's what SmackDown is doing. They're following something that's hot, which is the the James Elworth thing, for, for better or worse, uh, and they're making it work for themselves, and the fans are, are happy about that. But on Raw, it seems like they they have their plan, they have their template, and they're just going to do that no matter what anybody says. And I think that's frustrating on that end, but it's encouraging on the SmackDown end. And I feel like at least now, I mean, that, that has been the WWE template for so long that I was kind of used to it. But now we have a refreshing alternative uh, with SmackDown. So that's kind of where I'm at right now.
2: Yeah, and you mentioned authority figures on, on air and how prevalent they have been. I mean Stephanie McMahon is all over Raw. It, there doesn't seem to be a segment that Mick Foley isn't a part of on, on that show. And as much as I love Mick Foley... The authority figure thing it just for me it ran its course a long time ago, and, and it was a problem before the brand split. And, and to SmackDown's credit, they there was no Daniel Bryan or Shane McMahon on last night's show, and so it was just all about the wrestlers. It, was, it, it, it weirdly felt kind of old school in that regard, and just that we were watching a wrestling show where the announcers guided. The action and the wrestlers did the wrestling. There were no stoppages for, you know, promos. That's the thing about SmackDown. It seems to be more focused on the actual in-ring action, and that's what makes it a slightly better show.
0: I mean, another great uh, example from this week shows that the main event of SmackDown was a number one contendership match for the tag team titles. Like, when was the last time the tag team titles have been, you know, uh, treated like a big deal? And I feel like that's that's great. And and on SmackDown, they're basically made-up titles that they just like threw together a few months ago. And it's it's already it already feels like a big deal. Um, and so yeah, they're 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 able to focus on what really matters, and they don't use these what are really crutches, you know, in, in the storytelling of having this this authority figure uh, on screen. And, and on Raw, they have two of them, you know, like Stephanie McMahon and Mick Foley serve the same purpose. And yet they they still kind of just do the same thing. Um and it's and I mean I will say to give uh to cut a little bit of slack, I think this is usually the time of year where this happens, you know, it's football season. I don't think there's any surprise that Triple H showed up, you know, to create a stir, uh, because he's the most important thing that could possibly happen on either show um back at the beginning of football season and then has disappeared, you know. It's the same thing that happened last year. Uh, you know, the, the, after, after the big Survivor Series, well, leading up to Survivor Series, it was just injury after injury. And then they had the big Roman Reigns coronation and then the Seamus thing. And it was just, it, it seemed like they just like went back to this weird mid card template for, for several months. And I think <clears throat> long time WWE fans are just kind of used to the period between, um, SummerSlam and the Royal Rumble, and, and you know, to specifically Survivor Series to the Royal Rumble is usually just kind of a really drab time in terms of storytelling because uh, it feels like the company knows nobody's really paying as much attention.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of just weird stuff going on in different quadrants of the WWE, I and mean, I know a big problem that you have with the company is their their sort of reliance on setup. And their lack of follow through for a lot of that, and the the Triple H cameo was a big example of that. I mean, that should have set up a big feud between him and Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins, who continues to use Triple H's finishing move as if Triple H's double cross never even happened, and they haven't even they've barely addressed it ever since. Like you said, when Rollins went on his burn down Raw thing, how how that just sort of uh, petered out. So yeah, I agree with you. I mean, the the lack of follow through and execution has has been a problem. But there are just moments of just flourishes of potential. Again, like the Ellsworth thing has been compelling enough for it to keep going. And maybe they'll run out of run out of gas soon, and, and they'll move on from it, and, and they'll focus on what they typically do with wrestlers like Styles and Ambrose and, and, and people who are traditionally part of primary storylines. But You know, if you look at something like the Royal Rumble and and what's gonna, what they're setting up for that, I mean, again, you go to a different quadrant in terms of one thing that has nothing to do with another, where they'll sort of cross paths at this pay per view. You've got the Goldberg, Brock Lesnar feud, and and that's something that was the main event of Survivor Series, something that was the, the the theme of which, brand versus brand. And yes. it happened, and there has been no aftermath in that, no callback to what the the events of Survivor Series and the brand, which brand won what. It's just they just sort of moved on. And the Brock Lesnar thing, so those two are going to be a part of the Royal Rumble match, and that's going to involve 28 other people who are from each of the brands. So how is that crossover going to work? I mean, is James Ellsworth going to be one of the 30 participants in the Royal Rumble? I mean, are the final three going to be Brock Goldberg and Ellsworth? I mean,
0: I, I
2: have I have no idea what's going to happen, you know, and how it's going to affect everybody else, or if it's going to be all about Brock and Goldberg. You know, are, are the wrestlers who are a part of this branch, Are they going to take another back seat to these part timers who main evented one pay per view and will basically be the focal point of this one, or perhaps they'll they'll brush them to the side and let that set up a, a sort of uh, rubber match at Wrestlemania down the road between the two of them like it's just you know this, it's one setup after another and when they finally follow through there's no like for lack of a better term like epilogue or again aftermath in terms of closing those story gaps that they set up and so that that is a big issue for me like again like there's just nothing there's there, there's no like real true money storyline where it's like, okay, I have to watch this because it's so good and, and the episodic you know, relevance of it brings me back week after week. That's not really happening. There, there, there are just elements of certain storylines and certain wrestlers and matches that bring me back because they just happen to be entertaining. It's not because I want to see what happens next. It's because in that moment, on that Monday or Tuesday night, it'll just make me laugh for a few minutes.
0: Yeah, I mean the uh I think the ending of the or the, the entirety of the Brock Goldberg thing is a perfect summation of how they seem to be content to do business, which is let's get tweets. You know, it's like they it's like they watch it's like they look at Twitter and they see how uh Twitter responds to other TV shows, you know, like, well, there was a big twist on Westworld this week or Game of Thrones or whatever, and everybody's tweeting about that, so that's what we need to do. And they totally, you know, disregard the fact that between those, um, big, uh, you know, cultural, pop culture moments, there is solid storytelling that brings those, and then solid characterization, characterization that brings people to those TV shows and keeps people tuning in, and um, and there, there is payoff. Uh, presumably, I don't watch those TV shows, but
1: presumably there is
0: some sort of you know narrative and dramatic payoff to uh, a lot of those events. And yeah, I mean, look at SummerSlam. It, it ended with Randy Orton getting
2: brutalized
0: by Brock Lesnar, and then Shane ran in. What's happened? That was all set up for. First of all, that was a huge pay per view that should have been the climax of something, not not the setup to something. But it was all set up to something that doesn't look like it's ever going to play out. Uh and then now you look at Survivor series and and uh it's all set up to like what's the end game is we're going to make Goldberg look like a million bucks again or we're going to have Goldberg lose or uh you know and it's 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 like they um look I I could I could go on a tirade about the whole Brock Lesnar run since 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 SummerSlam 2014 or whatever, whenever he uh, murdered John Cena, um, it just seems like they are they know they have lightning in a bottle whenever they get Lesnar in a ring, but they're unwilling to do anything with the lightning. They just want to keep cramming more lightning in the bottle. And then uh, at Survivor Series, they dropped the bottle and it cracked and all the lightning <laughs> drained into the sewer. You know, it's just like, look, you're building this guy up to be a monster that, you know, could be... Uh, this dragon, you know, that needed to be slayed by
2: your your new
0: white. It's a to be the big hero. It could have been anybody, uh, and uh, you you fed your dragon to this video game character, you know, <laughs> who who is there's no long term uh,
2: long term plan for Goldberg. But well, he, Goldberg will uh, be in Royal Rumble though, and and I'm oh, guessing Royal Rumble will set up. The conventional wisdom here is that their their last match supposedly will be at WrestleMania.
0: Right, but again, like, what kind of payoff is that? Like, that was a match from, let me count, 13 years ago at this point? Like, again, like, why why is the main event not Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar or, or Kevin Owens versus Goldberg, you know? Like, give that cachet to somebody who's actually going to who actually need the same kind of, like, pop culture buzz that those guys get but uh they're, they have zero confidence in their like you said in their in their main week-to-week people uh and they're just feeding them to each other over and over again and turning over wins and losses nothing matters uh except like i said on smackdown but smackdown is treated as such a such a afterthought in the whole overall branding of everything that well, even it doesn't matter if SmackDown is is putting on Flair Steamboat every week. Um, nobody really takes it seriously,
2: and that's a shame. Well, it's interesting you brought up the Twitter thing because I mean, literally on every segment of televised WWE content, in the top left of the screen is like a faded text of a hashtag Ugh. that they're pushing during the segment. And no matter what it is, if it's a match, if it's a promo, whatever, it's there's a hashtag there, and that's obviously. Very, very important to them, but you know, it, it brings up the greater, like the the big question with WWE: their storylines and and how there really can't be any closure because, I mean, it's just it's it's a nonstop piece of episodic storytelling and narrative where there are no closed loops. You can't close close any loops. There have to be there have to be nonstop twists and in, in open endings. Because you have to sort of like leave leave open the possibility of comebacks in the future. Again, like if somebody just rides off into the sunset, there's always going to be the the possibility that they'll come back and that they'll reignite something or they'll start something totally new that's specific to, to their brand and is separate from what they did before. And it, it's it's a challenge and. and so yeah, I mean, I, I understand why there there isn't as much closure at these big events because they got to come back on Monday night and and start fresh or or just continue what they started or what they set up at the end of a given pay per view. It's not it's not a movie. It's not a, it's not a television series. You know that has a series finale or a season finale. It's just ongoing, and they have to just continue it however they think they can best support their their infinite narratives. So, it, it's, well, I mean, I, I mean,
0: each each feud should, I think, should be viewed as a as a movie or or a narrative. Yeah, and again, just sort I mean, of fade
2: away more than they they hard cut. Right. You know? They just
0: kind of. Feel, I mean, look at Roman Reigns, Rusev. Like, first of all, that was if that was a movie, that was one of the worst written movies of all time. You mean like a uh, WWE but, movie? <laughs> uh, I mean, I haven't seen any of those, but I, I bet you that they adhere to narrative structure better than, than whatever that was.
2: They should just put um, that whole feud on DVD and call it 12 rounds time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the Marines. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it just it just kind of, it was just Roman Reigns destroying Rusev over and over again uh, with zero real inciting incidents. Uh, and then it stopped. And now now he's the champion and then we're fine.
2: And um, Bruce is dropping to Enzo Amore.
0: Right, exactly. And I mean, but you look at again, you the kind of not necessarily a high water mark, but just a really good example of the company uh, you know, doing good work, uh which is Stone Cold Steve Austin's rise to the W W F title. You know, you have you have him feuding with Bret Hart and then you have him feuding with uh with uh Shawn michaels and you know obviously bret hart goes away for a reason sean michaels goes away for a reason but each of those guys could have gone away to just feud with somebody else and then the night after wrestlemania we you know we get the we get the coronation of, of austin and then the night after wrestlemania you know vince versus austin really takes off and, and dude loves and that whole feud takes off and it's just there are clear delineations of the narrative arc and yeah you have one character uh, that kind of is going on, and you never know exactly where that's going to go. And uh, but you still have clean delineation in terms of like uh, you know narrative thrust, where you know he was one one thing, and then he turned into a different thing, and then he went to the next step, uh, and you use other characters to you know bring him to that. But now it just doesn't seem like well. First of all, they have a massive roster, you know, where they they literally can't do that with everybody, but. Yeah, there just isn't any sort of progression. It's just a it's just a revolving door of well, now this person's winning and now this person's losing and I don't know. And I mean a lot of it comes to the the championships too. I mean, they just don't matter. Nobody cares about the universal championship. Kevin Owens is treated like a total schmuck at all times. Um and it, there's just not any there's just not any narrative uh weight to anything that happens on on the main show,
2: at least. Again, there are these little bursts of potential, though, and these little bursts of moments, like when Kevin Owens and AJ Styles were face-to-face and AJ Styles denigrated the Universal Championship. You know, like that set up a potentially great thing where it's like the battle of the belts. You know, like, okay, and you've got two great wrestlers who who have enormous potential and, and have enormous experience in terms of telling stories like these, Let's just let's just go old school and have a a legit grudge match between two great performers where you have this this just easy built-in storyline and there was zero payoff to that and, and there probably won't be any and and so yep. like you said the, the the roster is so enormous like it has to be an insane challenge for these writers to come up with storyline after storyline for all of these different wrestlers but you know you do have little or not even little, but you do have these little storylines where it's like, okay, this would make sense for this to happen and we've set up this very traditional thing where it's like, okay, we know how to get from A to Z. So like the the Austin thing, the way it was set up, it was sort of like the man against the corporation, the the angry the angry employee will defeat his evil boss and the evil empire. That that was just very simple storytelling. You knew what nope. was going to happen in the end and it was just a matter of how do you get there. Like like is the case with plenty of movies, you know, with, with some twists and turns along the way, but we all kind of know where it's going to go. I mean, the same could be true about Ellsworth. I mean, even though he's the result of, like you said, the, the Twitter obsession, he's actually been, a, I think, a net positive for WWE yeah, overall, and yeah. I think they've, they've told the story pretty well. Or with Goldberg, like you said, he was this, this killing machine who was basically Goliath. Okay, well, so find your David. And write that story. You would find find your hero that's going to slay the dragon, and tell that story. It doesn't matter how long it takes to get there, but all of the nuts and bolts are there. So it's your job to sort of plug everything in and tell that story, and then you then you start something else down the road once you come to that conclusion. So, like, I mean, like you said, the 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 executions and the follow throughs. Has been few and far between. Like Daniel Bryan is a great example of that. As somebody, you know, it was a classic underdog story that culminated with the big championship moment at, at WrestleMania where he defies the odds and the underdog wins and is the hero. Okay, that's great. You have your, you've told a really simple, compelling story and that's what everybody wanted and it's what made everybody happy. I don't understand how they don't try to rinse and repeat that success.
0: Well, also, I mean, I, I'll I'll give them credit. Well, first of all, I'll give them credit for just individual match booking. Like, the big moment matches often have really great moments, uh, often for setup. But I think the Survivor Series, you know, main event five-on-five match was fantastic and had a bunch of little moments that were just really clever, the whole Strowman-Ellsworth uh, bit and all that stuff, and had a really good ending that actually built up the Wyatt family and gave them strength uh, going forward. So, Um, I'll, I'll say something nice there, but then also I'll say that in general, looking back, the Triple H Roman Reigns feud was pretty well laid out and well told. It's just the mistake there is they were doing it with two guys that nobody wanted to see in the WrestleMania main event, you know, but there was a pretty good story there of the guy that was offered, you know, the deal with the devil wouldn't take it. And then, um, you know had to pay the price over and over again, uh and then finally culminated with 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 beating the guy uh but of course, all of that got thrown out the window when when stephanie McMahon didn't you know she's she's operating the exact same way sometimes uh as she did uh before that uh and then triple h went away, but then of course he can always come back and do the same thing that he was doing before anyway, so really there is no there is no payoff to that ever. Um, but, I mean, would you kind of agree with me that, that you know, on a mo- macro level, that was a pretty well-told story?
2: Yes. It, it had the makings of, of again, a traditional piece of storytelling. And for the most part, they, they executed it, but they had the the problem, like you said, where people didn't the want it. The
0: casting problem. And, they, and, yeah. and the
2: people who don't – many of – thousands of the people who don't want it happened to be in the same room in which it's happening in front of them and so they voice that displeasure <laughs> yeah. they express that outwardly and so that that becomes a huge problem in the in the weird thing about it where you have this room full of people who are say explicitly voicing their displeasure with what they're seeing and then you have WWE actively at the same time pretending that that is not happening and they're just going through with the plan, and, and and certainly like in a live setting, in a live moment, you can't pivot. But at some point, you have to see the WWE say, okay, we hear you, and we understand that our audience does not want this. They they are they are saying it right in front of us as it's happening. They're saying it on Twitter. They're saying it pretty much everywhere. So I guess at some point, it's up to us to to make a change here and try to give them try to understand what they want and try to give them what they want. And I'm not sure that that happens. I mean, you could say that Kevin Owens winning a championship belt was giving fans something that they wanted and giving us as much Chris Jericho as they've given us lately as he is in his element. That's sort of giving fans what they want, the same with the James Ellsworth thing. So there are definitely there are definitely examples of them sort of hearing the hearing the fans. In trying to give them things that, that that WWE knows that they love, but again, like you said, on the macro level, in terms of telling the big story, which should always be with the championship belt, who has the championship belt, and 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 where is it going to go, and, and who are the good guys and the bad guys that we're rooting for and that are feuding, it doesn't always hit.
0: Yep. Yeah, it's it's the machine. I mean, the the I think that's the problem is they they have the machine in place and. Again, I, I think on SmackDown they leave room for organic growth, and depending on you know what hits and what doesn't. I mean, I, I said a lot of nice stuff about the show, but I, honestly, those all of those feuds that are going on right now have been going on for three months now or so. Um, so they're they're totally you know in the in the same ballpark of, of just kind of doing the same thing over and over again. But I think it's it's compelling week to week. But overall, I think there there is that machine, and and there's times when they listen to the fans. It's it's in fleeting moments. Uh, I mean the whole the whole list of Jericho thing. It's like it's a funny joke, but then there was a whole Raw episode about Seth Rollins stealing it, and it's just like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, it's a joke. You don't you don't make your 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 hero you know feud over a joke. Uh, it's it's like what if in Die Hard John McClane Die Hard the plot of Die Hard Two is John McClane you know fighting. Uh, Hans Gruber's brother about who gets to say Yippee Ki Yay, Eminem <laughs> you know it's like what are you doing like no that's that's that is that is a flourish in the show you, you can't respond to fan reaction like that and make actual yeah,
2: cool narrative yeah, thing. that kind of reminds me of the whole Sting Rollins feud where Sting stole the the bust you know the statue of Seth Rollins and like destroyed that that episode was like where's my statue. You know, so maybe that was the same, uh, crack writing staff team who, uh, came up with the, the list episode. But, you know, the list thing has been great and people, it was so I was talking to somebody just in passing and this phrase just made me laugh so hard where they were like, the list is obviously over. So I'm just like, it's a freaking list. You know, it's like, a joke? It's, it's, yeah, it's a joke. It's, it's a yeah. slight joke, and it's just caught on like wildfire in a way that's just like, wait, no, this shouldn't drive the narrative necessarily. But it's just, you know, it, it speaks to the strength of Chris Jericho and somebody who, you know, whose personality and whose performance make it work so well. Like at Survivor Series when when the, the list was used as a weapon and the the, the papers went flying everywhere. And Jericho is devastated, and he picks the papers up and starts walking off with the list. Like that was just a really hilarious visual moment, you know. That, yeah, that was great for the character, but it sort of it, it betrays the overall like actual character storyline that exists between Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens, you know, and that dynamic and their relationship and how that should be the feud that they're setting up. And I think that they they did that this week and. And they've done that from time to time, and, and that seems to be something that is just adding, and, and, and hopefully, hopefully will pay off and won't just fade away. But it just seems like they they get obsessed and focus on the little things once there is just like the slightest little ripple. Via social media or whatever, and they think like in that moment, if fans focus on that one thing, then we better just go with that long term, and that's where they start to hurt themselves.
0: Yeah, and I mean, look at the—I mean, look if you if you follow the narrative logic of where they're of the where they could be going. I mean, a WrestleMania main event of you know evil Kevin Owens defending his championship against his his old veteran friend. That he's been mistreating, you know, in Chris Jericho, uh, that that is a that is a logical conclusion there. And you can have Kevin Owens win and and retire Jericho, or you know, send him packing or something like that, and really, really get him uh, across as this, this bad villain. Um, but because of this, this again, the, the machine that I know so well, there's no way that they're going to put Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho in the main event. You know, they're not they're they're chosen guys um and but those guys have done and that seems to be the story overall is that the machine wants one thing and then you have these extremely talented individuals that just go out there and do their thing and 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 set up set up a story on a silver platter for the machine but it all gets knocked off because hey we gotta we gotta follow the plan it's it's the story of the Randy Orton, Batista, and then eventually Daniel Bryan thing. It's, uh, you know, it's the the company wanted one thing. The fans wanted something else organically. um, And in that rare occurrence, the company actually, you know, bought into it and and allowed it to happen in in a pretty messy way. Uh, But at least it happened. And it's just like, that's so rare and it's insane. That like you said earlier, it's like you have a room full of, Ten thousand people telling you, "Hey, maybe go this direction," and uh, you you want to ignore them um, unless they tell you,
2: you know, unless you have they have a funny joke that they like. Yeah, and and you sh- they shoot themselves in the foot too because you have the Kevin Owens, Chris Jericho, storyline. That's where the championship belt is, right? Like that's where it is, and and Rollins is involved, and we'll see where that goes. And the same same is true for. SmackDown. AJ Styles has that belt and there's a whole storyline going on. But then after Survivor Series, you have Goldberg coming into the ring and saying, they they asked me if I still had a title run in me. So it's like, Uh oh, "Oh, so does that mean Goldberg is about to be the champion or make a run at the championship via Royal Rumble? Are we just going to interrupt those storylines just because this part timer comes in? And wants to hold the belt and be champion for part of a month. Like, are we just going to stop those things? Or I mean, and and you know, to their credit, yes. I mean, that could just that's be exactly. that that could just be a distraction, you know. And it's no, like, well, no, exactly. we're not going to
0: What's going to happen? Because that's exactly <sighs> what happened in 2002, whenever Hulk Hogan came back, and he got a bunch of nostalgia years, and they put the title on him. He beat Triple H for it, um, and we had in our main event of two thousand two we had a Undertaker Hulk Hogan main event. Um and it's it's the same the same stuff that's happening now. Um it's it's there's zero confidence in what they've got in front of them and hundred percent confidence in what 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 they've done in the past. Uh which is uh it's sad and it's and you know who do you remember from two thousand two that, that was on that card? Nobody really, because they weren't
2: working on building any of those guys.
0: So that's well. It's,
2: let, let, let's just quickly answer the larger question that this all started with: Is the WWE good right now? Like, do we like the WWE and what they're doing right now? And, and for me, I, I would have to answer: Not really. Right in this moment, no, it's not great. Even though it has just a a. Uh, they're 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 an embarrassment of riches when it comes to talent on the roster, and they do have some good things going for them. If if I if I had to give them like a pass fail overall grade, I would probably lean fail right now, just because again, on a weekly basis, I as a wrestling fan, I just don't feel super compelled to sit there for five hours and and take everything in, starting with. The primary storylines, even though there are things I like about it, those those short segments aren't enough for me to sit through the redundant nature of the rest of the product. So, for you, is WWE good right now?
0: Um, if if you know if, if I'm willing to give a grade on a curve uh, compared to their usual performance, I give them a pass because um, yes, while up front it's bad. You know, at the top, it's bad. Uh, for casual fans, it's real bad. But if you're willing to dig, there's some great stuff there. Like I said, SmackDown is consistently good. I'm looking forward to the pay-per-view on Sunday. Uh, and uh, over on NXT, uh, um, the the tag team championship match at the last TakeOver was one of the best matches I've ever seen in my entire life. So there is great stuff, but it's you got to dig for it. And that's kind of the same thing as saying... Well, it's there's great you know, it's great to have the WWE network because you can look at old pay-per-views. It's, that's the same as saying it's great to have the WWE network cuz you can dig for this stuff that they won't show you up front. So to say overall, I think it's a pass, but look, it, RAW is the main thing. That's what they want you to sell. That's what they want to sell you. That's what they want to be the the representation of their company at this point.
2: That's a big old fail as as far as I'm concerned and it it has been for quite some time. Like three years ago if if I were to tell you three years from now the top guys at WWE are going to be Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, AJ Styles, Dean Ambrose and even Brock Lesnar and Chris Jericho you would probably say holy crap it's going to be in the best place it's been in a long time and I just don't think that the, the fact that those are all of the, those are the company's top guys right now. I just don't think that they're u- utilizing or getting the best out of the potential that those guys all have. And for me, if if that's the biggest problem, then that's why I think you have to lean fail. Because again, you come you think about a guy like uh, like like Steph Rollins, who is one of the most just dynamic talents they've had, just he's like a five-tool player in baseball terms. Yeah. He's got it all. And his run as a good guy right now has been has not been great, I'll say. And I'm, so. and I'm a huge Seth Rollins fan, right? And, and like you've said, Kevin Owens has it all, and he is the champ right now. But Seth, Kevin Owens, week to week right now, they're making him look bad and not giving him enough to do, and they are sort of downplaying his role as the champion of of WWE or Raw more specifically and and for that reason that's why I think and and you're right there's a lot to like but if these guys are the face of the company right now and they are charged with telling the primary stories and and they are failing at doing that and and more specifically Vince McMahon and Triple H and and the writing staff are failing to do that through these very valuable vessels that's why I think you lean sail Agreed all right. Well, wow. I, um, have we have we have we gotten it off our chest here? Or are you good? Is there yeah, I'm in a else? great mood. I'm in a great mood. <laughs> There's always NPJW, right? Or NJPW. <laughs> there you go.
0: Nailed it. Well, wow. they're they're in a slow spot right now too. So it's. I mean, it's it's just kind of a it's kind of a these these are the sleepy months for a wrestling fan where we get to make our lists of what happened that year and get to prep for Royal Rumble and Wrestle Kingdom and WrestleMania. So it's it's not it's not I don't think it's not um, uncommon to feel disenfranchised at this point of the year. Uh, so I think that that's that leaves us a good chance to look back and and, and look at what the year did give us. And uh, there there has been some good. There's been a lot of really good stuff this year. So uh,
2: maybe that's a different conversation worth having. Hey man, I, I saw Cena versus Styles SummerSlam in person. So and yeah, that that, that was guess. an instant classic, and that's something that I'll. I'll as a wrestling fan, I'll never forget, and that came this year in WWE. So, like you said, I mean, it, it's capable of greatness. But you, you mentioned via text earlier this week, I think, that the the wrestling writer and reporter Dave Meltzer he compared WWE wrestling to PWG wrestling. And remind me what he said in the comparison that he, the comparison he made.
0: Uh, he basically, I mean, he was responding to somebody that tweeted at him, I think, that said, like, well, if WWE isn't as good, then why is it so popular? You know, why is it so widespread? And he said, well, it's the difference between McDonald's and your local five-star restaurant. You know, it's the difference between a mass-produced, mass-distributed, um, uh, homogenous product uh, versus something that's made locally with care and with craft. Um So I think that's interesting because I mean, and he's taking
2: a huge shot.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, look, maybe I mean McDonald's. It depends on what metrics you look at. McDonald's is successful. McDonald's is probably happy with where they're at in the world. A lot of people like eating McDonald's. I like eating McDonald's every now and then, but it's not you know if if that's if, if God, I don't want to compare wrestling to actual you know nourishment, but if if you just have a steady diet of McDonald's, you're probably not going to feel really good um uh and especially if you, if you really appreciate food you're not going to seek out McDonald's um for the high point of the craft uh you know you that's where you're going to go to something more uh, artesian. um and uh, uh and that's that, I think that analogy is really
2: good yeah well i mean if you dig Not that the, i've like,
0: ever seen any pwg ever
2: <laughs> in my entire life well, it, but it, again it,
0: it's because it's so locally crafted you can't even get it if unless you're in LA
2: yeah, and, and like you said, dig through the roster, and, and you'll find you'll find the the gold. If you dig through the McDonald's menu, you know they got apples, and they've got, <laughs> they've got and, and, and they've got some salads in there. You know, uh huh. Oh so, yeah. <laughs> but sometimes you just want a good freaking quarter pounder with cheese, man, and that's what I'm waiting yeah. on from from the wrestling McDonald's.
0: And they, and like I said, they deliver it. You know, the Survivor Series five on five match. I think that's your. You know, that's your your uh, big Mac with supersized fries where you're just like, Heck yeah, like this is this is junk food and it's so much fun and it's good. So I, I think that, that they do what they do well sometimes, but it's just it's if you get too much of it um you 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 start turning green. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well let's stop with this analogy and let's <laughs> let's let's stop uh crapping on this thing we pretend to love. Yeah. But even though I think it's healthy. Look, it's, as a wrestling fan, it's like well, you and I are big movie fans and if we have problems with movies and our favorite directors and and things like like it's healthy to sort of meet it head on and analyze it and 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 sort of try to understand where you are as a fan, where it is as a, a product or a piece of art or content. So this is this is not to say like, you know, I'm done with pro wrestling. I'm definitely not. I've been watching, even though I haven't been doing Rammer Slammer, like I've been watching the show, and and hopefully I've been looking for inspiration to do the show and and to do the podcast, and hopefully this sort of gets me back in in the swing of things. But, yeah, I mean, it's okay to want more, you know, And, and it's okay to expect them to give it to you, and if they don't, then it's probably better that you talk about it instead of just simmer about it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have to we have to identify what is good and what is bad to really appreciate the good. Um and yeah, and I think again, like I think that there's there's plenty to if you tune out everything and just watch Smackdown week to week, I think you're enjoying yourself as a wrestling fan. So, um yeah, I think there's it's not a, it's not a total this shouldn't be taken as a total, you know, uh, crap fest or anything like that. But I think uh, you know, to to <clears throat> to now that I've got my foot in the door, um Again, a future conversation that might be good is, you know, the best of wrestling in, in 2016. I think it's been a pretty exciting year. So, if you're if you're if the if the if the spark is there for uh, to keep going, uh, let me know if
2: you're interested in talking about that. Yeah, sounds like a plan. And uh, thanks for talking this out with me
1: today, Ben. Yeah, thank you. Rammer Slammer is produced and edited by Ben Flanagan for the Alabama Media Group and AL.com. Find us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at RammerSlammer. Thanks for listening.